When I first got the job, I, I called uh, Brock uh, Newton and I said, hey, you know, Matt Rule, the new head coach, you know, I know this is kind of a shock. You know, where do you stand? And he was like, coach, I'm a Husker. I don't care who the head coach is. And I kind of, I kind of laughed, hoping he'd like, you know, pet my ego a little bit and tell me he was dying to play for me or something. But, you know, I mean, I, that just really hit me like this is how we'll build this is with big, physical, tough guys from this region. And um, so, that you know, how much those guys love Nebraska, how much it meant to them, uh, you know, to see that helmet and to come on these visits, it, it struck me. It really gave you a sense of purpose of, like, you know what, this is important. And I've always had this belief that, like, I'm, I'm not one of those guys who says I need three of these, four of these. You know, people ask me all the time, how many more do we have? I mean, the guys are going to come. They're going to change their position. And we love to change guys' positions if it's, it's going to help them play in the NFL. Um, so I just try to take the best players and obviously you need a minimum of certain things. I'm not saying that, but I'm not beholden to that. You know, I like to think creatively and uh, Evan Cooper on our staff makes me think creatively. And so, um, we try to take the best players possible. And I want kids who want to come here to get an education, win at football and have a chance to go play in the national football league. People that want to come here and impact the community and make the university of Nebraska football, uh, university of Nebraska campus, a better place because of their presence. And so, Though that mindset's really, really important to me. I'll, I'll be honest, I was blown away with the maturity of a lot of the young men that I've met during this process. I mean, the guys who were committed to the previous staff, um, you sit down with those guys and it's, I mean, they're, they're grown. They're great families and they love football. And, you know, when I say I'm a developmental coach, uh, it just means that I believe that, like, I want to, I want to help guys get better. And so to do that, you have to have players who want that, who want to wake up every day and just work and grind. And so, um, that's all really important to me. Uh, if we have the core of our team that's like that, we'll be hard to beat. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast recruiting special. This is Honky, and I'm with Redcast Rob. Well, you know, I had this whole thing planned out as far as a hot take goes tonight. I was going to list out an agenda that apparently I have. I was going to um, do this whole parody song of the autumn wind and call it the December wind is a Husker. But you know what? Instead, I'm going to pour myself a nice Stranahan, which is a Rocky Mountain-based single malt whiskey. And I'm going to cheers this one to Coach Rule. Because you know what? If all the times that I have ever watched recruiting day specials and all these other things, I have never seen one handled more professionally, more efficiently, and made a fan base more excited than the one I've ever seen today. So you know what, Coach Rule? Here's to you, buddy. Cheers. Cheers. And uh, speaking of Coach Rule, he just tweeted out right at 8 o'clock, right as we're going live, and it was this – Yeah, it's, a, it's just a, a alarm clock that says 24 hours on it. I don't, I'm not smart enough to disseminate exactly what that means, but uh, it means the work doesn't stop, Honky. The work doesn't stop. <laughs> That's what it means. We also have a, a very special guest here, and we're going to get to him in just a second here. But first, we're going to go through our our uh, upcoming episodes and our sponsors. Uh, tomorrow night here, we're going to have Adam Mitchell, co-owner of Newman Grove City Cafe, on the fan form, keeping the proud tradition of a small town cafe alive in Newman Grove. Uh, of course, we have Alumni Hall, two Lincoln locations, downtown 1120 P Street and South Point Pavilions behind Barnes Noble. Uh, Pipeline-jerky.com. Get yourself some uh, Pipeline Jerky code REDCAST officially gets you 10% off, and that money goes towards 
players uh, to the offensive line. So uh, that's a that's a great uh, cause there for us. Uh, Smack and Smooch custom shirts and specialty items at Smack and Smooch Facebook and Twitter. They make our shirts, our koozies, all the good stuff. And last but not least, promo code Redcast at HailVarsity.com slash subscribe. Get 10% off Hail Varsity. And to our guest from oh Hail Varsity. Honky, I, you have never gone through the sponsor so fast ever. I know how excited you are. <laughs> I want to get, I, I get to football. And, and, and uh, we're welcome. We're, we're so happy to have uh, Brady Oltman with us. Uh, he's a staff writer covering Nebraska football and recruiting for Hale Varsity, the voice of Husker Nation. His work has appeared in newspapers across the country, starting with the Lincoln Journal Star in 2011. He's an eight-man football alum growing up on the farm in Knuckles County, Nebraska. Welcome to the Redcast, Brady. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, always fun to, to chat football, even if it is, you know, about 14 hours after I started work for the day. But... <laughs> Yeah, this is a this is one of those busy days, but this is a fun one too. And and Rob and I were talking about it earlier today, and it's kind of what you referenced in your your hot take there, Rob, is that this is just it, this has done been done really well by Coach Rule. I, I think that's something that's kind of become a theme over the last two three weeks is just handling the situation well, whether it's winning the the initial press conference or you know finishing up a, a, a recruiting class or having good explanations when he's asked a question about why are you why did you keep Donovan Rail or what. You know what? You know what are your plans with the the staff that you're putting together? He just always seems really ready w- with uh, with an answer and how to explain it. And right now, as a Husker fan, that's all I want to see. The thing too that that really stood out and what you just said is that you know he always seems to have an answer ready. The fact is, is that he doesn't have to have him ready because, like he said, he's always telling the truth. So he's not trying to skirt around any questions. He's not trying to avoid any answers. Right. So, and, and I feel like it's sincere. Like. I seriously, every time I hear that guy talk, I'm ready to run through a wall. In fact, I just got done patching the one behind me because I ran through it earlier today after his press conference. Yeah. Well, let's start with some tweets of the week like we normally do, Brady. And this is one that you sent out the other day. And it was, you've probably heard this from me, but in light of the recruiting wave, uh, when Matt Rule arrived at Baylor, all but one commit of that class left. Rule and his staff filled that recruiting class before signing day. And the one recruit, Jalen Petrie, became an All-American. So... I guess the, the that's kind of a two part thing there. One of them is the the recruiting side of it. They were able to put together a, a class, but the one guy that they kept around, they developed, and that's the development side of this, and, and turns into an all American. Uh, you know, talk about that tweet a little bit, and, and how does that relate to what we're starting to see today? Well, I think it's it's a big testament to Matt Rule, his staff, and how he approaches recruiting. I think we saw it in the last two uh, last two weeks or so that they really went after it, and I having talked with some friends also working in college football with some history of covering Matt rule, I knew he was going to be aggressive. I mean, he's a, he's a high energy guy. He wants his recruiting staff to be high energy and they go after recruits. I mean, they want to be aggressive in practice on the field and they approach every aspect of the program that way. So it, it reminded me a lot when I was doing some research on him and I went back to the time at Baylor, obviously the, the situation he went into is far different at Baylor than it is at Nebraska but because of all you know the scholarship limitations and, and um, the ripple effects from the you know the Art Briles scandal that happened down there, mm-hmm. a, a lot of recruits left, and Jalen Petrie was the one you know that said in in light of all of this, I'm I'm sticking with Baylor, and Rule and the coaching staff that he assembled got in a wave of I think it was like 22 total recruits in there, and Petrie, a, a guy who was there, um, committed signed and they kept him in there 
developed into an All-American. And a lot of the guys that they developed just followed the same sort of system. Um, I think it's it's a testament to the aggression of his coaching staff and how they want to approach recruiting, but it also does, I mean, it's it's tangible evidence right there that if you stick with it and if you are a recruit that is willing to buy into the rule system, there is a clear path to success in it. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned the class that they put together there. Uh, the class today that was announced was 31 total kids, 20 from high school, one from JUCO, six transfers, four walk-ons. Uh, one of the kids that was uh, that announced today, and, and this was one of the big stories of the day, was Malachi Coleman. And uh, he picked Nebraska live there on a, on a Rivals show uh, uh, that was tweeted out. And I thought this was a, a neat uh, other tweet. And his mom sent this out, Miranda Coleman. She's been pretty vocal on, on Twitter at times. And, and she mentioned that she wanted to give a quick thank you to Dion Sanders and to coach David Kelly for sharing your hearts and time with us at CU blessed to have met you and wish you nothing but great things at CU love mama Coleman. I think that was kind of a neat thing because it's, it's, you see more of the, the human side of this recruiting. It's not just kids signing yes or no. And, and these are hard decisions. Even, you know, we're, we're happy as Husker fans that he came here, but you know, other staffs are, they make connections with kids and, and these kids have to, make decisions like yes or no. And, and I, I like the fact that she sent that out. You don't see that a lot, but I thought that was an interesting uh, tweet. No. And I think the whole family has that kind of similar humility uh, to them. I mean, Malachi does all of his you know nonprofit work and everything that he, he does for uh, community outreach. I think his, his parents are of a similar ilk and they believe in similar things. So it's, it's, it's not surprising, but it's also just a very, I mean, it, we all need to have that humility and humanity re- restored at signing periods because um, some people can get real nasty and forget that these are teenagers um, making mm. potentially life-altering decisions. So it's it that was a nice little boost and a, a good subtle reminder um, of what what's really the the, the full context here. Mm. Well, let's get into the actual the class here, and the way that we're going to do this is we're we'll kind of give an overview up front. And then uh, we're going to break it down by offense and defense and kind of go position group by position group, player by player. But uh, just some high-level overview things here. First off, this slide, if you're watching this live, um, by state, uh, this is just for the high school recruits only, so the the 20 high school recruits. By state, eight of them are from Nebraska, four from Texas, two from Florida, two from Pennsylvania, and then one from Missouri, New Jersey, Oklahoma, and and South Dakota each. And what's interesting about this is I think this is a – this is a good breakdown for any class ever. It, it's it's heavy on in-state, number one. And I've kind of said in the past that, you know, if you could get five or so from in-state, that's a, that would be a great number. And if you got another five from kind of the 500-mile radius, that would be about 10. That would be what I'd call the local area. And then probably about another 10, if 20 is that kind of that magic number. The other 10 you think would be national people. And you look at this, and you have eight from Nebraska, and you have one from Missouri, one from South Dakota, from neighboring states. And you kind of have that that. 10, half of your stat class roughly comes right from either right here or it's a neighboring state. And then you're going to go into Texas, a, an area that this staff has a lot of connections to, two from Florida, two from Pennsylvania up in the Northeast. So it's a st- it's a class that's kind of broken out geographically all over the place. Uh, Brady, what are your thoughts, I guess, you know, when you think of that part of it, the the, ge- the geography of what Nebraska has to do to, to put together a class, you know, how does this match that? Uh, well, it's, it's interesting because – I think when Matt Rule, who is no stranger to the history of college football and the implications of it, uh, I believe he was advised when he got the job that 
recruiting is um, typically a, a, a hurdle. It's an obstacle to get recruits to Nebraska. And as his staff kind of got formed, you look at every single staff member that's uh, been introduced or named so far, every single one of them has some sort of recruiting coordinator position or a prominent recruiting mm-hmm. accolade attached to their name in the past. And, and to your point, the connections with Texas are alive and well. Um, Matt rules from Pennsylvania and from the Northeast. Um, they get guys who also, you know, like EJ is a Yukon guy and from the Northeast um, and prominent recruiter there. You've got uh, Philip Simpson who less so impact felt this time recruiting around, but is already offering guys in Florida. And then Tony white defensive coordinator mm-hmm. has that had that history from the West coast and his time at San Diego state and Arizona state. So they end up getting, um, you know, Kai from, from California. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, they are just spread out across the country. And I think that that's, that speaks a testament to the aggression that he wants to meet recruiting with and says, I'm going to go get it and I'm going to scour the country for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, this is video here from today, Hale varsity video from the uh, presser. And he's talking about the in-state talent. And to your point, I think, you know, you get, there's narratives created about local kids and and the talent and that we have or don't have. And I thought this was an interesting statement from rule. But also, you know, as I said, going into this, the football's really good and the football's good in a lot of places. And, um, you know, we found fast, dynamic athletes and there's maybe a narrative that, you know, there's there's not speed. Well, we went and got the, the fastest player and in, uh, in, in probably in the one of the fastest players in the nation from right here and one of the best track athletes in the nation right here. So, um, you know, we uh, we saw good football. The coaches were great. The, the people were great. But the biggest thing that hit me was how much those guys just really want to play for the University of Nebraska and they want to uh, be part of a championship team here. You know, Brady, you played eight-man football, right? You're from Knuckles County. You know, this, that that means something, these in-state kids. And, and the fact that that narrative has been around forever, that there's no talent in the state. It always drove me crazy, especially when our own coaches weren't recruiting our state as strong in, in previous years. And that kind of, I thought, hurt the – that even fed to that narrative. But there is talent here. It's great that – I, am I for one, am, am happy when I see other staffs come in to recruit here because, if nothing else, it means that, that more people realize that that talent's there. I want all those guys to stay. I don't want to lose any of our kids that that we want. But uh, I love the fact that people view the state now as, as some place that you can go and get some good players. Yeah, and it, they they hit it right away. You know, in the first couple of days, they were able to go off campus. Uh, Rule, uh, Terrence Knight, and EJ, even Ed Foley was out. You know, uh, mm-hmm. on the town and in Omaha and Lincoln, and then Matt Rule obviously went out to Scotts Bluff, went over to Pierce, um, all over, and it's I. I think it's going to be um, – it's a testament to who he is and his authenticity and how he speaks. You you believe it absolutely, you know, wholesale. They were, there were guys that they lost, and he was open and admitted of that. You know, they didn't, they didn't get everybody, but the guys mm-hmm. that they were able to keep were, were valuable ones, and they're glad that they have them. And he's already looking for, you know, the 2024 draft class or recruiting class and is already – excited about what he sees there. So they're, they're not afraid to, to hit the high schools multiple times and, and talk to coaches and build relationships there. I mean, it's worked for him at Texas, it worked for him at Temple, and he's, he's going to do it at Nebraska. And this is, there's some talent here and it's a big state, but it's also a one, you know, one school state. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think that's a big benefit to him. And 
yeah, it's, I don't know. He's definitely making a priority. And I think Husker fans are, are very excited about that. Yeah. Got to recruit local and got to get, got to get the kids here first before you, you go out outside to get more. And, uh, I thought that, that the, the first place he went to right away to go to Lincoln High, and he didn't. He was unable to flip Benny Nagoya, but it was still that even the guys that he couldn't flip, Flores and Nagoya, and even Bramer up in, in Pierce, they were all kids that they spoke highly of him. Just you know, maybe a little too late there. You know, Rob here. We're looking. This uh, slide is by position group, and uh, again, we're going to get in specifics with the position groups in a little bit. But we took one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, five O line. One athlete, that was Malachi. Two special teams guys, a kicker and a long snapper. Three D linemen, four edges on defense. Two linebackers, two corners, and two safeties. Uh, Rob, is there anything that sticks out to you here as you see these groups, the numbers of, of how it's laid out? Uh, let's see. Hmm. Yeah, let's see. Offensive line hmm. and the edge, especially with the three three five. And we talked about this last week and how you know. The, the guys in the middle, you know, your defensive linemen are, are going to be kind of your your plugs, but you're going to need guys on the edge that can kind of move around and be a hybrid. And there's going to be a, probably, you know, a few guys in and out of that rotation, right, that are going to be making a difference um, for us. So, um, yeah, the two areas that we probably need to get right first based off of the rule um, philosophy of you win in the trenches, which I'm pretty sure Honky is still uh, cleaning up after hearing that. Mm. The um, <laughs> you know this is uh, yeah this is this is exactly right. This is I I can't think of anything else that I would rather see at this point in this process. Yeah, five offensive linemen, and then if you include edge, kind of as a, a D lineman, they're I don't know they're they're part DN, part outside linebacker, part linebacker. But that's the hybrid, though. That today, that is the thing. You have to be that. But in, to your in, point, okay, there's three yeah. D linemen, specific D linemen, four edges, five offensive linemen. That's twelve guys right now out of a out of a, a group here of uh, twenty eight or twenty seven that uh, that we're looking at. That uh, you know, twelve of them are right there in the trenches, and that's where Trev mentioned it on day one when he was looking at who he was going to hire, and Coach Rule mentioned it on day one when he was hired that we've got to rebuild it in the trenches, and that's that's where they're going to. And the, a lot of these guys are going to be some development guys, especially on the O line that I wouldn't expect to see playing next year, but uh, that's okay. Well, I mean, and he did say in his in his speech that the the O line is going to look much different next year because you know he thinks that the guys that they have right now are going to be okay next year because he's going to have a system so guys are going to know what's expected of them and exactly what they're going to have to be be doing right like and i and i think you'll of all people hunky will agree and and brady i don't really know your your thoughts on that yet so obviously we'll get them but um he's right I mean, no, there was never an identity to our offense this year, or really to this team. I mean, the defense sort of started to have one at the end, which was just like hit hard and actually make your tackles. But I mean, the offense, you never quite knew what was going on and there was no creativity. There was, it, it was probably the most vanilla offense I've seen since uh car's personal trainer took over as their offensive uh, coach for the Raiders back in like 2017 or something like that. So. Yeah. Is there a question there, Rob? Or <laughs> no, not at all. I Brady, go ahead. Give your thoughts. We're just, <laughs> we're just chopping it up right now. And 
you know, uh, I'm, I'm a little whiskey and some beer into it. So <laughs> a lot of my questions might sound more like rhetorical throughout the night. Don't, don't worry about me. <laughs> well, what, what we're looking at here, this slide here is the, it's the 20 uh, commits that are, oh, 21 that were the uh, high school kids plus the JUCO, uh, Kai Wallen. Uh, so 21 kids here. And then the next slide here are the six transfers that we had. And the reason I wanted to separate those, and maybe even I could have had Kai Wallen over here on the transfer side it, since he's JUCO, is to kind of separate high school versus guys that are a few years out of high school. The, these six guys, these transfers, when you think about we want to be a developmental program, well, I'm going to go back. The, a lot of these guys need to be developmental that we're looking at, these 20 names. You know, these are young dudes, offensive line, you know, a young defensive lineman. Some of these guys are ones that you're going to need to develop a year or two in before you're probably going to see them. These six guys, these transfers, these are some of those spots where if you need an immediate player or you need somebody that's uh, going to give you immediate depth, not only do we need to get them here in January so that they actually can go through an offseason, which I think is important, but we're looking at, you know, Corey Collier, a safety, Elijah Judy, a, a D lineman. You know, so if a D lineman's going to, you know, give you immediate time, it's probably going to be someone that's a, a few years out of high school that, you know, has some development under him already. Jeff Sims, the quarterback, you know, chief borders and edge uh, running back. We got the the long snapper there. So, I mean, some guys that um, this is where you're going to get some more of that immediate depth, I think, uh, right away. Yeah, the way I view it, I don't know, maybe you guys um, think differently and I'd, I'd love to hear it. But the way I view, especially the portal, the, you know, traditional recruiting high school and JUCO is a lot like MLB free agency. You know, you, you, you can't live and die on a roster based off of free agency in Major mm -hmm. League Baseball. I mean, I've, I'm a Royals fan. I've seen it. I've seen it attempted and it doesn't work. Um, but you can build a team, you know, and develop a team through your farm system and get it put together. But if you just need a Ben Zobrist to fill a gap and give, give you some leadership, if you just need uh, to fill out your your rotation, you can go into the transfer portal and get somebody and kind of plug and play that way. I think that that's kind of what we saw, um, how it shaped up. I mean, there, Casey Thompson's going to come back. Um, you know, they're, they feel very highly about him, but they also know that they saw the drop off between Casey and the rest and thought they need to get somebody who's able to step up based upon Casey's injuries, uh, injury history. Plus, they just build some competition, you mm -hmm. know get get some get some drive to make sure that that position is better because I think we all saw and no offense to Chubb or Logan but there was a steep drop off between one and two and you can't do that in power five football so um and I think they Jeff Sims is one that goes back to Matt Rule and some uh scouting things they've got a or he's had a history of look watching him and then um Jeff Collins and Matt Rule go back so he watched a lot of Georgia Tech and, and Sims stood out to him um and I think that that's what we just kind of seeing you look at the transfers there that's to me that's what it stands out as you get uh, immediate impact players whereas yeah the the other you know two dozen are more developmental projects not to say that they can't step into a, you know a special mm -hmm. teams role right away or anything but these are the guys that are a little bit more uh ready to make an immediate impact yeah absolutely well uh we also had four walk-ons that were in this uh class here that they announced today cole ballard grant Seagren. Caden Ectonock and then Corver Dem Dema. And uh, so this is, it's not as big of a class as we've had in the past. Although I'm not sure. I mean, this isn't done either. I would imagine that we're going to get more in, in uh, February. And some of this is kids are probably still waiting on, you know, maybe they're going to get an offer from another place, you know? And so 
but for right now, at least they have four. Now, have you heard anything, Brady, up to this point, kind of numbers-wise, where you think Rule would want a roster to sit at? I, Frost wanted that 150, 155, you know, big, big roster. Uh, do you know whereabouts uh, that Coach Rule wants it at? Uh, I haven't heard a definitive number yet. I think he'd, he'd like it maybe somewhere around there just at least to be started so he has the bodies around. But I think I, I know that he wants to build a strong uh, walk-on program again. And, build, I mean, as a former Penn State walk-on himself, it means a lot to him. And he likes to, to instill that for in-state talent who may not get a scholarship. So I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of welcome those guys in and, and build up a roster more than just, um, you know, just the conventional scholarship positions. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly well. Special teams, depth, that's, that's where you're looking for with the walk-ons. Um, two, two of them here, just uh, uh, in-state recruiting ones. This is the in-state recruiting from this year. And to show the depth of it, this is just the overall depth. We got eight kids from in-state, which is amazing. Uh, Malachi Coleman, Gunnar Gotchula, Mason Goldman, Jalen Lloyd, Brock Knutson, Maverick Noonan, Sam Sledge, Tristan Alvano. I mean, that's a kicker. We've got four offensive linemen from that. As uh, Coach Rule uh, referenced earlier today uh, with Jalen Lloyd, one of the fastest guys in the country at wide receiver. Malachi Coleman was an athlete that can play defense. He can play offense. He was the top recruit in the state, could have gone to Georgia defending national champs, so had his uh, options. And then Maverick Noonan's a, a edge defensive out, you know, defensive end player and and a legacy. So a really good group of of in-state kids. And then we listed these other four that we've offered that ended up not coming here. But Benjamin Bramer, who was a longtime uh, commit uh, from Pierce, he ended up switching over to Iowa State after the after the uh, changes. Benny Nagoy uh, had committed to Iowa State back in the summer and. That was one of the that was the first guy that uh, Coach Rule went and talked to was was Lincoln High, uh, Zane Flores, the quarterback that uh, I think we all wanted to see get an offer much earlier than he ever did. Uh, I don't know if they have ever officially said if we offered or not, but I, I know it sounded like with Joseph that they at least were trying to get back into his good graces. But he ended up at Oklahoma State, and then Cade McIntyre from Fremont Bergen ended up at Oklahoma. So Brady, again, we'll take a you know stop and just kind of look at this slide. What are your thoughts when you see this from uh, the in-state, the talent, the the depth of the the different types of positions? You know, you can quarterbacks and wide receivers. I mean, it's all across the board. Yeah, what impresses me is the the quote-unquote skill positions. Um, is you know your your uh, quarterbacks, your receivers. There's a little bit more of that than I think typically you would imagine. And even Malachi and Cade, you know, just being straight athletes. Because mm. when you think about the hit, the history of in-state talent here in Nebraska, you think um, bruiser running back or or offensive and defensive line. Uh, Zane is as I, I think he ended up being top twenty-five national quarterback prospect. Um, Benny obviously is an incredible athlete that would fit rule system. I think that's partially why they you know really lobbied hard to try to flip him. Um, Cade is from you know Fremont Bergen. I mean, crying out loud. Like that's not of, it's a powerhouse for football, but it's not a powerhouse for D one athletes. Um, and kind of the same can be said for Lincoln high, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it, that's what stands out to me. And then you get a guy like Jalen who was going to go run track at Florida and then a series of events allows him, you know, he's sick and then he gets an offer and then he's got to think about it. And now he's going to run track and play football at Nebraska. Mm -hmm. So it's, 
I don't know. And then Malachi obviously is his whole saga and, tr- and ultimately signing with Nebraska in order to get the, these are top, you know, coveted guys that would fit Matt Rule's system. And I think that that's partially why um, this one stands out, especially. Go Rob. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, one of the things that stands out to me here too, is how many four stars are on, uh, on this list between the guys committed elsewhere and, and committed to Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, the- uh, there's two, right? And they both committed to Nebraska. So it's mm-hmm. like we're getting the top recruits in the state now coming to the school. Um, you know, Malachi decommitted, came right back. You know, the other guys, the other guys like Zane Flores, I never really, I, I never really felt like Rule had a chance. I mean, he was already Iowa State the whole time. Oklahoma I'm State. sorry, Oklahoma state sorry uh the whole time before then and then the other two guys they seem like they the the iowa state guys they seem like they wanted to go all along and and that that kind of was the feeling that that you got you know right away and fact of the matter is hey if they don't like it there and they get there and they feel like they see what's going on at nebraska maybe we'll see them in the transfer portal the way the portal works i still think it's about it's about building culture and it's about building relationships with, with staff and it's it's just to me it's the right thing to do if, if a kid is worth offering you offer him and uh coach rule said that today in the presser where he's like we're not going to play games with guys and kind of offer and then maybe take it away and if there's good players here you go and you get them yeah. um and and he's not the first coach here to do that I, I think of coach frost on his first day day one when he was being announced right afterwards they went down to bryson williams house uh at lincoln southeast and offered him who he'd been a longtime offer of Wisconsin. And we hadn't, we hadn't extended the offer. It's like, what are we doing with a guy right here in our backyard, not offering? Well, that's kind of the same way with the Zane Flores. And so we, we don't offer, you know, a a kid that's right down the the street and he ends up going to Oklahoma state. Um, And so those are the things I think what coach rule did with this class to keep this class together, these eight guys, that's amazing. In fact, they even added to it because, uh, Jalen Lloyd wasn't an offer until he got here. And then I'm not sure if Mason Goldman had an offer from Joseph or if it was, I, yeah, I think, I think they had gotten one right before it. But point is to keep that crew together, those eight guys, that's really impressive. And Malachi, especially that's uh he could have gone anywhere. And it says a lot to uh, the ability, I think of coach rule and the staff to, to make those connections fairly quickly. Yeah, and that's that, that's, that's what oh, he's sorry. built on, right? No, I was just going to say, Rob, that that's what he's built on, right? Is that those connections? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's how he's made a living off of it. Yeah, and and honestly, too, I mean, I know what the twenty four stuff is about, too. Um, you know, he he referenced it a lot in his press conference. It's been twenty four days since he was hired, and in twenty four days, he pulled together this recruiting class that moved them up to like the twenty third ranked recruiting class, I think, in the country. Brady, you can correct me if I'm wrong. They were like thirty one for high school like 18 for transfers and that gave him like an aggregate of like 23 according to 24 seven, I think is what is what's going on there. Um, I didn't have to Google that or anything. I know what it's referencing, but it's really fun to just play the games and guess <laughs> and stay like, Oh, Riola's coming tonight. And I know I tweeted that out last night and I don't care if I was right or wrong. Cause it, you know, it, for me, it's just been fun. And that's so far, I would say that, um, one thing rule has done for me and I don't know how other fans feel, but I kind of feel like maybe they do feel the same way is that since he's been the coach the last 24 days, it's been fun again. It, it, you know, it doesn't feel like anybody's floating us a bunch of crap. It doesn't feel like anybody's 
been trying to feed us just what we want to hear. It feels like somebody is telling us exactly what they plan to do and how they plan to do it. And then they're going out and actually doing it. And, and it feels so good to be a Husker fan right now. Like these last 24 days have been some of the happiest days of my life. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. You know, I, I almost left my wife for him today. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 just to tag onto that, Rob, it was something that I had, um, I wrote about in the new edition of, of Hale Varsity, kind of his background. And it's one thing that, um, I think Eric Francis, the photographer and I, t- um, at Hale, one of the, one of the photographers at Hale Varsity and I talk about, um, on our new podcast was just kind of like, this is a, this is an extension. This recruiting process is an extension of who Matt rule is personality wise. He's going to be honest, but he's going to, he's going to be that kind of chip on your shoulder, not the most talented, um, you know, knock you off your feet, kind of flashy kind of thing. It's going to be a workman, blue collar type, put it together, but do it by hard work and hitting it hard, hitting it fast. They're not going to, you know, put marquees up and flashing bulbs, but they're going to, you know, they're going to lay the, the brick and mortar and the groundwork to try to build something. And I, I think that you really see that come across uh, in this yeah. recruiting class. I agree too. And I think that that kind of one, it's something that I've thought about too. And, and Twitter doesn't allow enough characters to really get into this, but you know, every time he tweets something out, you see these Carolina fans jumping and talking about his failures at Carolina. Let's be honest. Carolina's had eight winning seasons in like their 24 years of existence. So it's not like it was just a rural problem, but one of the things too, and why I think that rule had a hard time translating to the NFL is exactly what you just said is that the NFL are a bunch of guys guys that are on contracts, certain guys are expected to be played, whether it's by ownership or whatever, because of how much they're being uh, paid, regardless of their performance. And so it's really hard to go in and have this kind of blue collar attitude in the NFL and be the kind of coach that rule is in the NFL because of the fact that NFL players are different than everything else. These are guys that have now like paid off all their debts, you know, for the most part are in there, you know, basically expect to be they're they're the guys that come in and get hired as like they're the ceos you know what i mean and and the head coach is more like an hr department at that point um and and nobody really wants to listen to them unless they absolutely have to and so it's harder to get a buy-in from that level unless you're like coming up from within the nfl ranks is is my belief right that's it's kind of where i see it and we're gonna see a lot more i think performance out of guys to in Nebraska than maybe in, in the first year or two, I think, than you've seen in his other two stops at Baylor and at, and at um, Tulane or Temple. I'm sorry. Um, because Tulane, Temple, whatever, they're, you know, group of five guys. But the uh, but I think that we're going to see a little bit more performance here because it's still the Big Ten, you know, and these guys are going to come out and it's a different type of, it's a different type of football when you get here. And, and I think we're going to see you know, a lot better and a lot more heart coming out of a lot of these kids, especially from recruiting within the way he has been. Also, you have a podcast with Eric. I want to come on. I absolutely want to come on, man. I love that guy. He almost ran me over trying to catch that, uh, that winning touchdown at the Rutgers game. He almost ran me over with his camera. And then at the end of the game, he was trying to get pictures, you know, and people like throwing stuff at us from the stands and everything. And he's like, here, hold this. And he like hands me his giant camera. And I had to like follow him around with his camera after the game, like trying to take pictures with my phone, you know, as I'm carrying Eric's like, 
probably ten thousand dollar camera <laughs> yeah yeah that was, yeah. was awesome yeah, we just started up. It's uh, the eye test available on uh, Herd at Media and everything like that. Subscribe. We had uh, Steve Warren on for an episode. Um, mm -hmm. We do a lot of photographer things. Like there's photographer talk, but it's also just like intangibles, like the eye test of what looks good, what's beyond stats mm -hmm. and everything, and, and kind of dive into, you know, a more molecular level of everything. You know, we had Steve Warren on last summer to talk a little bit about the Warren Academy and developing players. And this even this goes nicely with our next slide here, just talking about in-state recruiting in the future years. But uh, I was seeing some tweets out today from the Warren Academy about a number of players that they had that are, have been moving on now, you know, getting offers and, and kids that he's working with here in, in future classes too. So uh, yeah, Steve's a great guy. And, and what a, what a good person to talk with about when it's, when we are talking about in-state talent and recruiting and development. Yeah. And I, I remember when Steve was kind of, when he was speaking with us, he, we kind of talked, what do you look for now? You know, he's, he's obviously a very accomplished football player himself. What, how is it different now? When you look at it through your lens now as like a tutor, mentor, coach, how is it mm -hmm. different than how he perceived it as a player? And I, I think, yeah, you can talk about, you know, your phones, your, your screen time, whatever it is, and, you know, social media, whatever it may be, all of that's probably the same, but at, at the same base level, you're still talking about trying to get a kid in who believes, make them believe in themselves enough to want to work hard to achieve that potential. That's what it's about. I mean, he, you know, if they had Twitter back in 1995, I guarantee you that those players would be doing the exact same thing and, yep. and it, it would be the exact same thing it is now. But at the end of the day, you're going a coach's job and a mentor's job, get them to see their potential coach them up to see what they can do, show them that and push them up to that point. You know, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You've got to be able to, to instill something and, and drive. And I think that to the point of how big this in-state recruiting class is, it goes to show that there's a lot of talent in Nebraska. And I think that that also might incentivize some other kids of saying, Hey, I, you know, they can point to that and say, I want to play football or I want to be like mm -hmm. that or um, a kid from you know Archbishop Bergen and Fremont that never plays D one football, but that will, you know, Cade went to, to Oklahoma. Yeah. I can do that too. It's, it's, it's a, it's one of those to use the parlance of our times because we're sitting in an Arctic vortex right now in, in, in Nebraska, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those little snowballs that you push it downhill and it just becomes a massive thing that's just going to keep rolling. And, and it's just been a matter of trying to get the ball rolling. And I think we're starting to see that now. Yeah. Hey, that vortex is in Colorado right now too. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's cold everywhere, but yeah, the, it dropped, the, it dropped from, um, it did it honky. Sorry. It dropped from uh, 36 degrees around four 30 this afternoon to it's minus four here now. And it did that in a matter of 20 minutes. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I watched the temperature drop like on a uh, ridiculous. It's winter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for future years here, we've got six kids in state from 2024 class, three from 2025, and one even from the 2026 class that already have offers. And that's, you know, you think of what, for the point of 24 days that Coach Rule has had so far with, with the existing class, to have an entire year now to work with 2024, to have two years to, to be working with those 2025 kids and so on. And I, I expect to see this these numbers go up and, and more names getting added to this 
overtime too. So I think that's a great thing. It's a great place to start again. This is where we want to start is getting the, get your best in state and then, then you move out from there. But uh, uh, it was, I just, I, I, he's from the outside rule is non native Nebraska, but there's so there's such a feel that he brings, whether it is, you know, Pennsylvania, Nebraska, maybe there's a kind of a Midwest kind of work ethic attitude towards it. He was a former walk-on, as you mentioned, Brady. Blue collar. And, and being, you know, just Penn State and Nebraska, kind of blue blood type programs, very similar in that nature. He just feels like when he's talking to us, it feels it, – I actually have kind of the when – I, when I think of Bob Devaney when he came here, Devaney came here to make people feel good, and he said things his first offseason before he ever – you know, if you ever have Mike Babcock and have a chance to talk with Babcock, the, the history guy, I mean, we've had him on in – we, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring him on this offseason. I'm going to ask him about this. Devaney came in to really just at, at a bad time for Nebraska. We'd been losing for 20 years and everything. And he made people feel good. And he, and he, it was kind of evangelical and, and son of a preacher's son, kind of a, kind of a feel to it. And that is, it's what rules doing right now. I mean, he's, he's saying the right things. They're doing the right things. Now you got to go out and win football games when it gets to, to fall. But, um, I just, I, I guess, I've just really appreciated his approach so far, and uh, and the in-state part of it's a big part of it. Well, let's let's move on here, and this is where we'll go, kind of position group by position group and player by player. So, offense here, uh, we're looking at uh, each of the position groups, quarterbacks. We'll start with Jeff Sims here, Brady. What do we know about Jeff, and uh, and what are your thoughts? Well, he's another uh, Southern high school standout. Uh, I think he was a four-star standout uh, coming out of high school. Uh, chose Georgia Tech and worked in Jeff Collins's system. But it, to his credit, and to put it into context, Georgia Tech hadn't been in a great position. Um, I I don't look at Georgia Tech's program or win-loss ills as an indictment on Jeff Sims. Um, but I I do know that he kind of he had a rocky season this last year, which I think messes with his stat line. Um, and I think if you base it on stats alone, it's a little misleading because Casey is, uh, statistically speaking, a, the far and away better quarterback. But Casey also had legitimately far better weapons around him and probably a better system to work with than Jeff did. But he's a he's an athletic guy. He's able to move around a lot better than I think a lot of the uh, quarterbacks on on the roster from 2022 can, uh, but also keeps his eyes upfield and, and scrambles smart with the ball, doesn't make dumb throws, and he's able to extend plays when needed uh, with a little bit more decisiveness than than I think you see when Casey Thompson reluctantly scrambled last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and he made that reference today about how you know he expects a quarterback to be able to get a first down on a on a third or fourth down with using his legs, specifically saying legs and. We've said this so many times on the Redcast is that the, the mobility of a quarterback being a dual threat is, is so crucial here. Um, and it's something I think that has at least traditionally been a differentiator for us in the Big Ten uh, versus a lot of our opponents that have not had mobile QBs. Now, what's interesting is Wisconsin would be one of those schools and they look like they could be making some shifts offensively. And who knows with uh, Iowa, you know, they're going to no doubt probably make some, some switches on the offensive side too. And they've brought in a, a transfer QB from, from Michigan. So, I mean, we could be seeing some different things happening there, but um, anyways, uh, running backs, we have Quentin Ives and Josh Fleeks. One of them is a transfer Fleeks from Baylor. Uh, Quentin Ives is a high school kid from Palmyra, New Jersey. Uh, what do we know about them, Brady? Uh, 
athletes, just <laughs> pure and simple athletes. Um, Fleeks is one of the guys that Rule and his staff recruited um, in, in Waco, and they, they just like his his athleticism. He's able to go get it. He's able to get vertical and, and get some yards. Uh, Quentin Ives is similar. Um, I talked with his high school coach not too long ago, and he's one of those kind of under-the-radar guys. But um, the the very quick antidote that I have for him is um, he was playing defense and intercepted a pass inside uh, Palmyra's 10. And, you know, he sees a little bit of green, and the coach told me, yeah, about the – you know, by about the time he hit midfield, you saw about three defenders kind of have the angle on him and they're going to run him out of bounds for a solid return. And then Quentin just hit a whole, like a whole boot, a whole nother level, just turned the boosters mm-hmm. on and showed speed that no one else has ever saw. And he returned at 90 some yards for a touchdown. I mean, to, to have that sort of explosiveness and, and hit that gear. I mean, that, that's exactly what the rule coaching staff is looking for. So again, I don't think he's going to be a plug and play day one kind of guy, but he's, he's the kind of guy that you bring in, didn't have a lot of offers. So it's not like he's got, you know, programs clamoring for his attention. He's also a standout, a multi-sport athlete, but get him in uh, that program. He's got a good body to put on a, you know, weight for a college football developmental program. And he could be one of those guys that is, you know, one of the Nebraska running back stories of develops into something really special from uh, not a highly sought after recruit. Identify the unidentified. Isn't that the rule philosophy right there? And if not, can I make a t-shirt chain of your listening? I need t-shirts. Identify the unidentified coach rule. Yeah, and a little magnifying glass right there. A little magnifying glass. That would be awesome. <laughs> With the yeah, that that okay. You get yeah. That, let's do it. Yeah, you can, we can sell them on our podcasts. You know. So well, there's something that uh, you said there. You, you talked about speed, and they're starting to become a theme because even Sims at quarterback brings more speed and and mobility to it. As I look at these wide receivers, two of these guys, uh, Jalen Lloyd and Bryce Turner specifically, these are track athletes that basically. It, there's going to be some development that needs to happen with them. The, the likelihood of them stepping in on day one against Minnesota and, you know, playing a bunch of receiver probably isn't quite there, but, but the speed is there. And now the development side needs, it needs to happen. As we look at these wide receivers, Lloyd and Turner, also Jaden Doss, who's been with the, the class for quite some time. And then we're taking a little bit of a Liberty here and we're throwing Malachi Coleman into this wide receiver group as an athlete. He could play some defense, but um, so for wide receivers, Coleman, Doss, Lloyd Turner, what is that looking like? Uh, well, Jalen and Bryce are just pure speed. I mean, those are guys that can, that can catch, but their, you know, their appeal is their speed. I mean, you've got Jalen who's a legitimate Olympic aspirations guy. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's, he's talked with coaches about making sure he has time to qualify in the 2024 for Olympic qualifying for 2024. That's the kind of guy you're talking about. Um, Jaden is, Jaden's going to be an interesting one because I don't think he's as fast or as blistering off the page as uh, Jalen and Bryce, but he he has that he has a little bit more sure handedness to him, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, and then Malachi is, I mean, he, Malachi can be fast. He's, I mean, he's returned kickoffs for touchdowns. He can, you know, turn the boosters on. He's got those long limbs to just have that that strong gait and that that great stride to him. He's also, he, you know, pretty sure handed. I mean, as much as you can be in, in, you know, November football when you can get it here in Nebraska. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, I think that's also kind of a testament. It's 
Rule said that he wants to build a team that can win in Nebraska in December or win, win, win in Nebraska late in the year. And mm-hmm. it's it's tough to catch a ball, you know, then, but it's it, it doesn't hurt so hard to get tackled if nobody can catch you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and this gives you some balance of, of different styles of wide receivers, too. They're not all going to be 6'1", Cal- if, if Malachi ends up playing on the offense, I mean, 6'5", and he could easily grow into a you know 220-pound body as a wide receiver. He could be a big miss you know size mismatch type of receiver and if, if Doss you know falls into maybe a possession receiver you know that's the nice thing about having different styles and different guys but boy you can't coach speed you know you can't teach it at least I mean you either have it or you don't and Lloyd and Turner definitely fit that and if they can get the development side of it down then they could be something pretty special in a couple of years to watch. You know there's another team that I root for that has that same philosophy where you can't teach speed. You know you can you can develop those guys and Win some games using them. I mean, yeah, it's been like twenty something. Red Cat so Rob's a Raiders same. fan, so the Raiders yeah. are, have traditionally, yeah, they've gone out and they just if you James run Jeff. a fast forty, they'll, they'll give you a first round pick. But uh, you're uh, not talking about on. the Colorado Avalanche there. <laughs> oh man, no, I no no no. My my teams are never that injured. Um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, it's fun though that the Colorado Eagles are right down the street. They're probably like a ten minute drive from my house, and they are the. Um, basically the AHL affiliate for the um, Colorado Avalanche. So ironically, I'm not a Navs fan, but I am an Eagles fan. Um, <laughs> however, make that make sense, however you'd like. Um, but yeah, that's that's my life. So sometimes I root for the Avs because there's certain players on there that play for the Eagles when everyone else is injured, <laughs> I guess, or not injured. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so um, what's well, next? O-line. We'll finish, O-line. Yeah, Are we talking the O-line, O-line here and – what I like about this whole line, there's five guys here, Mason Goldman, Gunnar Gotchula, Brock Knudsen, Jason, and I'm going to butcher the last name, Matrizak, and then Sam Sledge. <laughs> Matrizak is the guy that we Is that how at. you say it? Matrizak? Because I, I still thought right, it was Brady? Malachi until it, like two it, weeks ago. I think ago, it's so. uh, Maciak. Maciak. Okay, so Maciac. he's he's the only uh, non-Nebraskan on this list. He's from Pierre, uh, South Dakota, uh, and which that one school in Pierre had the quarterback go to – Ohio State, and and he comes here. Uh, he was uh, going to go up to North Dakota up until Nebraska got him a, a late offer. But then the other four, Goldman, Gotchlin, Newton, Sledge, four in-state kids, big-bodied guys, 6'4 to 6'7 in between there. Um, and I think back to a lot of the old-school Nebraska offensive lines, guys that, that would take a couple of years of development before you started to see them on the field. A lot of in-state kids uh, you know, made up those teams, those lines. Um, what do you see when you're looking at this here, Brady? Uh, what is this? Uh, how is there one guy that stands out that you think could play quicker than the others? I mean, what do you what do you think out of this group? Well, if I had to pinpoint one, I think that could play right away. Um, out of the, the lot of them is probably Gunner. Um, I watched him quite a bit uh, this year at Southeast, and he, especially Southeast and Elkhorn South, when they played, and he and Maverick were going one on one, and. Um, you know, it was kind of a, a push and pull. Maverick would win a battle and then Gunner would win one. Um, Jason Jason kind of excites me because he's, like you said, he's the only one that's not from Nebraska, but his dad is a Hall of Famer at Shatter and State. And he's, a, you know, kind of a, another legacy offensive lineman that can that can really get after it. Um, Brock and Sam are, are two guys that I think just th- their frames. I mean, Sam's not as tall, but 
you you just look at his shoulders and he's going to be a guy who could be potentially extremely intimidating to line up across from and mason mason's development excites me his just the way that he has progressed over years and to see him grow into his role i mean on a Gretna team with all all so many weapons and high powered offense that you typically don't um, associate with with that kind of high school football. I mean, you do have you know when Westside and, and the and Bellevue West like to throw it around, but Gretna would just sling it and do all of that. And you can't do that without a sure handed lineman like Mason. And I think that's that's an encouraging sign to see. And he's he's bought in to to this coaching staff wholesale. He was going to go to K-State probably until Nebraska offered. And then Rule and his coaching staff came in and said, we, we've, we're going to not only honor this, we're going to pursue you just as hard as, you know, as if you're anybody else on the table. And I think that stood out to him. So um, he said, I, I, I wouldn't expect all these guys to play day one. Um, Gunner is probably uh, the most capable of doing that. But um, don't expect to see these guys on the field right away for – uh, 2023 or most of 2024, but um, th- they'll be out there someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, specialist, uh, anyone that watched the Class A championship game, uh, Westside and Gretna, Tristan Alvano was insane. He made, I think, five field goals, including the the game winning last second one from 48 yards. He made one that was over 50 yards. So to be able to do it in Memorial Stadium in big conditions, there were thousands of people there. The game was on TV. You're kicking into a college uh, uprights, uh, the ball's on the turf instead of on a tee, all those things. Uh, I mean, I think Alvano has shown everything you, you'd expect. Uh, he has warranted a, a scholarship coming out of high school. And that's that's saying a lot because a lot of times kickers you can get as walk-ons. But he, to me, that, that dude warranted it. And it was it's good to see that he got one. No, and, and Ed Foley kind of talked about that. Being the special teams coordinator, said that mm-hmm. it's if you're going to offer a scholarship to a kicker, you got to make sure that not only can they make their kicks, but they can make them under pressure. And and mm-hmm. Tristan proved that he can he can hit them under pressure. And that's another kid who I think he felt slighted by the previous coaching staff by not getting offered sooner. And then um, Mickey Joseph and that interim staff kind of offered him right after that because if you put on a performance like that on a big stage, you you can't not offer him in that situation but rule and his coaching staff come in and say hey we're you're a priority here we you know you're not just a, a token in-state kid that we want to get in we mm-hmm. won't we're 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 whole you're gonna play you know we believe yeah. we're offering you because we think that you belong here and i think he appreciated that and said okay yeah i'm bought in yeah i i heard damon benning too on the on the recruiting show that they had there um, with gary sharp and and everything today um it was running live on youtube for like three or four hours i think it was that they had that thing going um i had it playing in the background usually i'm listening to music but i had that playing in the background while i was working this morning and one of the things benning said about that kit too is that you know their practice goal posts are actually smaller and not as wide as the regulation goal posts so this kid is like kicking from these distances and making them on these smaller goal posts like 98% of the time he's hitting his kicks in practice, right? Which is obviously no pressure. But by the time that he, um, you know, gets into the game and actually has to make the kick, he said, you know, it's one thing. Normally he's like kicking down like an, uh, a, a hallway. And then by the time he gets into the game, he feels like he's kicking the ball into the ocean because he sees these goalposts and it's <laughs> nothing to him, right? So 
I mean, what have, I've actually never heard of anyone practicing that way. Maybe it's something that's regular, but I've never heard anyone actually talk about it because nobody really talks about special teams and kickers with that kind of reverence. But the fact that Benning said that, and Benning even said too, he said, I knew the kid was going to make it, but he couldn't even watch that final kick. He said he turned to the crowd and he knew that the crowd would let him know whether or not he, he was going to make the kick in that game. And he was that nervous. And I'm going to say too, that there's got to be some credit given to Benning too the fact that the kid decided to come here after all of that, not being offered and then being immediately offered by rule and staff after making that kick. Um, so well, he was offered by Joseph right after. Well, yeah, he was offered by Joseph, but I mean, yeah. you know, but yes, but you know, it seems like I, I'm guessing that there had to be some, talk there right i mean betting's one of his coaches and everything so i would assume that he probably had something to do with that and just kind of give him the vote of confidence like yeah you this would be a good decision to make and you know stay home well it was a no-brainer anyone that watched yeah. that that it's a no-brainer but yeah yeah the absolutely. other the other specialist marco ortiz uh I, i'm guessing this is good long snapper size six five two thirty from from florida um uh if there's ever a position i feel like you could probably go walk on a lot of times it's a it's a uh long snapper but hey you know what if he comes in here we're not talking about the long snapper next year because they're all good snaps and then it's worth the uh worth the scholarship i guess yeah talk to uh who's at weber state about a quality long snapper mm. and um that can it can change the game entirely so um I, and i i do think that that might be a credit to brady weiss um mm. the, brian buscini was a he was a legitimately game-altering punter for Nebraska this last year and kept them in games that maybe they shouldn't have been in, and he never had to deal with a bad snap or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. And for as uh, stutter step as Nebraska's offense was, Brady Weiss had to make a lot of snaps to Brian Buscini, and not a single one of them were really errant or, or caused anything like that. So Mm-hmm. I, I guess big shoes to fill maybe, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> big shoes to fill. And, you know, considering what our special teams have been in the years prior, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say anything about any, but if somebody can come in and help our special teams out, it's, it's warranted. So, well, let's move on to defense oh, here. I was going to ask one more question though. I'm sorry about O-line and I don't know what kind of time mm-hmm. restraint you're on Brady. So you can just tell me to shut up otherwise, but did we talk about um, coach Rayola and, coach rules like comments about him today and why he kept him on staff and everything. And the fact that like, we seem to be recruiting a lot of O-line guys and building from within, but did we talk about that at all? Did anyone mention that about how his direct comments about why he kept him and how he was basically like one of the only coaches that even after the coaching change, he continued to show up every single day, sit in the office, continued like his recruiting, continued just doing his job and, and pretending like, you know, he was still going to be there the whole time. Like, I mean, and cause a lot of people had that question, right? Like why, why Rayola of all the coaches to keep off of that staff? Why him? You know? And a lot of people, Oh, well, cause he's trying to get his nephew or he's trying to do this. But the reasons that coach rule gave today about, why he kept rail on the staff and, and, and his belief in him. I mean, that had me running through walls by itself in a lot of ways, because it tells me a lot about coach rules character as well. So I, I don't know, Brady, maybe you heard that a little bit more or Matt, your, your uh, comments on that. I don't know. No, no, I'll, Matt, I'll, I'll step on your toes. Cause, uh, because mm-hmm. <laughs> Rob, I'm glad you brought that up because that's really stood out to me as well. Um, I think, 
it's really easy for fans to get into, you know, the the Twitter conspiracy theories or so-called conspiracy theories of getting a Dylan Rayola or the younger brother Dayton and all this. And it's like, I, I think you guys watch too much of like um, the crown or like, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, some, some game of, of Thrones, like, game of Thrones or backdoor politics kind of thing. Um, I, not to say that that doesn't happen, but I don't think that that happens as much as, as it might project itself just because of the monolith of college football. But that's, it says a lot for a guy in a time of uncertainty and the coaching change to continue to go there, continue to do his job, keep his head down and work hard. And then I, I liked when Matt rule kind of explained it and said, actually like, first of all, he had, when he met with the previous uh, or I guess the 2022 football roster and he talked to some of the kids, guys who were even declaring for the portal stood up and said, Hey, I'll go to bat for Donnie Rayola. I'll go to bat for coach Rayola. Cause I, I, I think he's worth it. And that stood out to, to Matt for, mm. for, for players to say that. Cause if a player believes in you as a coach, I mean, you're already three steps ahead of any peer that you have that, that might not have the room. And then when he kind of talked about, philosophy and the things that um, Donnie Rayola strives for as an offensive line coach, there's a lot of overlap in what they believe because uh, Matt Rule is a former uh, lineman. He, well, he's a former quarterback turned offensive lineman as a center and then um, played linebacker at Penn State. So a, a winding road of him and he's coached most of the most of the positions, but he knows what he's looking for. And he and Donovan Rayola kind of come from the same umbrella of thought when it comes to the offensive line. And now, and again, to your point, Rob, from from kind of the start, there's an identity to this offense now, and there's a coherent vision for this team and the way that it's going to move forward. Um, I I typically say it behind closed doors, but I'll say it now to you guys because we're all amongst friends. Um, all of the changes, all, all of the changes that happened last year, I mean, it was good to have some idea, but it was a hodgepodge mix of a vision on offense. And it was mm-hmm. a, a mercenary staff meant to keep a guy's job. And when that did not happen and Scott Frost got fired, then the whole, you know, everybody puts their hands up because what do you do? What do you do when you bring in new offensive staff to, to move the thing forward and it doesn't work and the head coach is gone? And then mm-hmm. Mark Whipple, who's a guy who talked about patience and building his offensive system, he immediately is like, well, um, I, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, be here beyond this year, even though, you know, he had just gotten to Nebraska. Um, I think it's, it's a time, you know, a tumultuous time for a lot of the offensive staff and there's no really coherent thought to it. Um, and, and I did think that the offensive line progressed well. There were still some uh, ugly incidents down the stretch, but I thought they were far better against Iowa than they were, say, against um, Oklahoma or against Rutgers even. you know, yeah, I, thought, I, I thought there was yeah. improvement. And I, I had more issue a lot of times with the X's and O's and what we were trying to do on offense than I did with the, specifically with the what the O-line was doing. Um, and Rayola's coaching what he's being asked to coach. You know, I don't know that he – wants to move Corcoran from left to right and, and do unbalanced stuff with him. But that's, if that's what he's being asked to coach him and that's what he's being asked to coach him to do. I thought what something that's interesting is, is what you mentioned kind of with the hodgepodge of the, the old staff rule was asked today about his staff and building it. And a lot of it is about that vision and in getting like-minded guys that, that come in here. And there's been, we've even had people on this show that have been critical a little bit of the staff so far, or is it young or not? I thought Rule did a good job. I'm going to play this video. He did a good job, again, of explaining what his process is and what he's looking for. 
It's all said and done. We'll probably have seven or eight former players of mine on the staff in different areas. And uh, that really is really helpful to me uh, because, A, I think they're stars. You know, it's going to be a young staff. And I've had some people say to me, like, why is the staff so young? Uh, a, because I'm old and they make me feel younger, made me look younger to the guys, um, more relevant in, in terms of what's new and what's not. But also um, – they, they, they've seen firsthand how the way that we do things affects lives. It affected their life, hopefully, and they're now going to pour into other people's lives. There's not going to be any celebrity coaches. We're not going to, there's not going to be a guys with different agendas. This coach isn't going to say this and this coach is saying this. We're, we're, we're all going to have one purpose. There's a vision. There's a brand of football that we play and they all believe it. And every coach, you know, will have, you know, Omar's going to be a star on, you know, social media. Coach Foley's going to go to different, they're all going to be themselves. I want them to all be different. But they better wake up every day saying, you know what, my number one priority is the guys on my team. Everyone spends too much time thinking about recruiting and they don't think enough about the guys on their own team. But those guys on our team, that's our job. You know, I can kind of see a little bit of similarity in the look between him and I. Okay, I, I, was, gonna, I, I was just about to say, Brady, Brady, on a side note, on a scale of it. 1 to 10, how much does Coach Rule look like hockey? Um, from 1 to 10, I'd say a solid 6. Yeah, uh, 6? Six. Well, yeah, that's true. Rule actually, rule looks a little thinner. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. well, put put a baseball cap on him, and I might, you know, maybe yeah, the baseball yeah, cap yeah. makes a difference. It, yeah, yeah, I think it does too. Well, yeah. let, let's move to defense here, and uh, so we have four edge guys, two linebackers, three D line, and four DBs that were announced today. Uh, we'll start with the edge, and again, I am I'm I am known for butchering some names here, but Prince Will Umana Malin. Uh, <laughs> From uh, Manor, Texas, Chief Borders, uh, a transfer from Florida, uh, Maverick Noonan from Elkhorn South, and then Kay Wallen, who or Waylon from uh, Sacramento, California, JUCO. So again, if we're looking at guys that could be potential right away guys, you know, Chief Borders is a Florida transfer, Waylon is a JUCO. Um, those are guys that you could probably imagine getting onto the field pretty soon. Prince Will here, he's a four star, and then Maverick, the legacy from Elkhorn South. I mean, that looks like a good group. No, and I, I like Maverick's upside. I really do. I think he could, you know, he could build himself into somebody right away. Um, Kay Wallen is is one of those guys that he's he's a JUCO guy, but he only used one year of eligibility up there, and he's he's got the the frame, and he's also very mobile. I mean, he's got that long, lanky frame, but he can fill space right away, and I think mm-hmm. that that's a that's a very appealing prospect. Chief Borders might be one of the guys I think that can make um, an immediate impact. I think he he played mostly special teams last year for, for Florida and played sparingly the year before when he redshirted. Um, but I think he, he might be ready to kind of step up because he would fit in well with um, Tony White's system and what they'd want to do. Uh, but possibly the best high school guy that they got signed outside of the state of Nebraska, um, Prince Will, um, Umami Yalen, by the way. Umami Yalen. Yalen. Okay. Umami Yalen. All right. And he's, he's one of those just, tenacious i mean he's just got an eye for the ball and he takes great pursuit gaps he fires off the line he can drop back and you know uh drop it drop in there drop into coverage and play well he can go lateral with them or he can just you know kind of go lateral and square up and when he sees that you know his time is coming he'll charge the ball carrier and go for it so that's that's what that's what bounces out to me again i I'd be surprised if he plays right away, but I, I mean, you could you could maybe see him in the mix right there. Year one, yeah. Just looking size wise, he's at six foot four, two fifteen. Compare that to Chief Borders at six five, two forty two, transferred from from uh, Florida. So, uh, you know, he's a little undersized there, but 
at the same token, you know, get in here, get developed up. And, and uh, yeah, if it takes a player a year to get onto the field, that's, I know we're in the world of transfer portal and all that, but uh, some guys want to get developed too. And that's something that, that rule talked about was wanting to get guys that want to come in here and, and want to get developed and that, and have a, a little bit of patience too. And so to take a kid who's 215 pounds on the edge, um, you know, he, they might be able to find some things that he can do right away his freshman year, but at the same token in the big 10 playing against some big guys, you're going to probably need to get some weight on and that will be part of that development. The D line I'm looking at, this uh, looks totally different than the graphic I had this time yesterday. Uh, now we have Elijah Judy, a transfer from Texas A&M, 6'3", 290. Uh, Vincent Carroll Jackson. Now, this one was not on the radar at all that I was looking at. So I, maybe uh, when did you first start hearing about him, Brady? Was this today or, or were you preparing for this one for a while? Uh, well, he was one of the guys that they brought in for an official visit in the last two weeks. And he's mm -hmm. one that he was on my radar and I thought it was a possibility, but I, in terms of, in terms of guys that they get flipped, I wouldn't have put him up there on the, the higher of likelihoods. Uh, but he was this, a Syracuse guy and he, he had been committed to Syracuse for a while, but I think it was one of those things where he, they, they built up some enthusiasm in one of his recent visits. And then he just up and decides, Hey, I'm bought in. Um, and, and to the point, some of these kids might transfer out after a year, but I, I tend to think that that's not very likely with Matt rule because to his, his credit of being honest and open with these kids, he's selling them on the vision. He's not going to mm -hmm. say, you're going to come in and play right away. You're going to be a star. We're going to make you a star baby. And like NIL money, you're going to be swimming in it. He's not telling them that he's going to say like, Hey, you might not play the first year or we're, I, I can't promise you playing time. I can't promise you this, but I can promise you if you come to work and you work hard and you, you work for it, not only are you going to be great here, you're going to be great, you know, down the line and, and eventually to the NFL where they want to get them to. Um, I, I think Elijah Judy out of high school could have, you know, has that potential. He, when he transferred to A&M, you've, you know, it's tough to find real estate in a star-studded recruiting class of A&M, but stars don't win you games. And if it if it would have, A&M would be at a bowl game right now. Yeah, hell, hell they'd be in the playoff. Um, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and um, Riley's one of those guys that he he's a loyalist to this you know recruiting class. He was one of the 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 guys that stuck around and and toughed it out. Another Texas guy who I think um, he was he was committed and recruited before Matt Rule showed up. But uh, I believe Matt Rule did his due diligence and said, um, making sure that that's a how, what kind of guy he's getting and liked what he saw. And then I think um, Vincent kind of a similar way, but another Pennsylvania guy that Matt Rule got aggressive and went after because they want to get the best team in. And Matt Rule doesn't care if you're committed. He cares if you're signed or not, but he mm. doesn't care. He doesn't care who you talk to. Um, so they're they're willing to 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 go after it because that's the kind of program that they want to build is by going after it. You're not going to, you're not going to build a conference championship caliber team and potential national championship contender by just, you know, sitting on the sidelines and waiting for the girl Wait. to waiting for the girl to ask you to dance. God, I look I, at these lists. We're going to be so good next year. God, we're gonna <laughs> I, what I like to, what I like what I'm hearing here is, is part of it is what is your sales pitch to a kid? If it, and I, and I can go back to the 2005 class that we had, the Callahan class that was number one or top five in the country and a bunch of four-star and five-star guys in it. 
and that's great. But if you tell 28 guys that they're all going to start next year and there's only 22 positions and there's no way in heck that all these guys are going to start anyways, well, eventually guys are going to look at that and say, hey, I've been fed something that wasn't right. And what do you have a year later? You have about half of your uh, recruiting class leave. And that's basically what happened with a class like that. I, you know, we didn't win anything today because ultimately what's going to be, you know, the, the victories are going to come in the years from now, next year and two years and three years. But also, how many of these guys do stick around? And to your point, you have a better chance of keeping guys around if what you're telling them up front is, the, is what they're going to experience when they're here. If it's going to take you two years to play, but you knew that it was probably going to take you two years to play and, and that that's how it's been, you know, said all along then everyone's going into it with the with the right mindset and now let's now start working start working for 2 years and get to that point and and if you can if you can beat it if you can be faster to to getting on the field all the better but uh um you know so a guy like you know Riley Van Pobble I mean that's I, I I love the the dedication that he's already shown to this class he stuck through the the coaching changes and everything and at the same token now you're coming in against guys that have been doing this for a couple of years in the, in the program or a guy like Judy that's coming from A&M you know, get to work and, and we'll see where you can go. If it takes you a couple of years, it takes a couple of years. But um, I, I just I like the mix of of recruiting interest here, but also the the, the knowledge that the development has to take place, too. It's not a it did, we didn't win anything today. We just we got the team together. Now let's go and let's get them developed. Yeah. Yeah. This is this isn't a house that you're going to move into day one, but it's a you know, it's a house that after a summer of working on you're you're going to feel pretty good in a rainstorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> linebackers, they went down south, Dylan Rogers, Texas, and then Eric Fields, new one uh, added today from Ardmore, Oklahoma. Uh, what do we know about Dylan and Eric? Dylan's another one that um, he's he's got a motor to him, is able to, to cover great ground. Another guy who's also been committed to Nebraska for a while. Um, I like his upside. I like his mentality. Um, Eric, I know less about on a personal level on like the kind of, you know, a person he is I, I haven't got his phone or haven't got his coach or himself on the phone to talk but he's one of those guys that Matt Rule kind of touched on a little bit today and said that he's going to be an exceptional one and one to watch and because he's he is like a Matt uh, Matt Rule formula type of linebacker where he's an under the radar prospect a guy from Ardmore so he's halfway between um, I think halfway between Dallas and Oklahoma City um, just down there in southern Oklahoma and he so he gets some eyes but not a whole lot and he's just aggressive i mean he'll he's got this the makeup speed and the charge to beat somebody off the line and to meet a a running back he takes great pursuit angles so if they try to hit the corner he's right there with a helmet in the chest to meet him there it he's that's what stands out on film to me he's got incredible stats as a tackles but you know you can Stats can look different in different ways, but this is a kid that you see on film and think that, okay, yeah, um, he, he might not have gotten the offers, you know, from other big 10 schools, but that's, that's not the kind of guy that Matt rule develops, you know, like Matt rule mm-hmm. gets those guys that are just the tenacious, the underdiscovered, the under the radar ones with a chip on their shoulder and something to prove. I mean, you see the four star, you know, guys and you, you high five about them, but this is the, this is the kind of Eric Fields is the kind of athlete that Matt Rule has made a living off of, and he's the kind of guy that I think Husker fans really pop mm-hmm. for, and they they love because they're the kind of guy that's like nobody like no nobody gave him the time mm-hmm. and effort, and in and next thing you know he's you know causing a, a big third down stop in a you know 
a game against Michigan. I was going to say that the the best players in football on the defensive side of the ball aren't necessarily like your defensive linemen that you can see like, yeah, okay, a guy got stuffed at the line, big deal. It's like you always hear like, oh, once he got to the second level, but like those linebackers that basically stopped the guy at like 1.2 instead of getting to, to two, right? Like those are the guys that, that everybody notices right away. The ones where, okay, maybe this, this running back slipped through one or two defensive linemen, but immediately there was a linebacker, 230 pound linebacker just smashing him you know, for, for a loss or something right there at the line. Like those are the guys that are going to make the difference, especially in this, again, three, three, you know, three, three, 97, 42, whatever it is, defense are going to be running. Like that, those are the guys that are going to make the difference, right? You're going to have that one guy kind of hovering. We'll call him like the, uh, it's almost like a safety linebacker hybrid, right? Where you're never mm-hmm. quite sure exactly what they're going to be doing. And well, we'll, yeah, we'll go over the defense in a future show, Rob, but even today, uh, Coach Rule, you know, didn't didn't settle on say, hey, we're running a three three five. He didn't settle on any one specific no. alignment. And he said we've run multiple alignments. We've done four man alignments in some of our previous stops. So, um, you, what you want to do is get good players, and then good players will fall into it. When I'm, I'm just fired you, up, honky. I'm I just know. Fired up. Well, when I heard you Brady talking about you know uh, Fields and and Rogers and these guys that hit and make a stop at the at the line, immediately my thought was. That's what Houseman was, you know, and it's in, it, it's unfortunate to to see him him gone. There we're from Columbus, uh, most of the Redcast, so uh, you know that that's one of those guys that, that still happened. But hopefully, that's so. what Dylan and, and Eric uh, can help bring here in time too. Uh, DBs, uh, we have four of them here. Again, one of them is a transfer from Florida, Corey Collier, uh, and then we have Dwight Boodle. He's been with us since the very beginning. DiCaprio's younger brother uh, from Miami, Killian. Uh, Ramirez Stewart, a Philadelphia, Pennsylvania guy, so someone from the Northeast. And then Sincere Safuala, and he is from Bradenton, Florida. And for any Husker fans from the 90s, uh, Bradenton was a, a nice little pipeline that we had back then. Uh, you may have heard of Tommy Frazier and Tyrone Williams and those guys. So uh, it would be great to get back down into that area, Manatee and and Bradenton, and, and get some more guys from there too. And, and these are – I don't know. It's, it's, just a, it's just a fun defensive back group to look at mm-hmm. because, um, and, and to your point, Matt Rule just kind of said we're not, he likes Tony White not only for the 3 through 5 and the things that they did, but because they can get creative with it. Um, and if you want speed, athleticism, whatever you want at that final level and in the secondary, this is a kind of a, a good eclectic mix of it. I mean, Corey is another uh, Florida transfer who didn't really have those, you know, uh, defensive back snaps, mostly played only on special teams, but he's got a, got a good motor and uh, was another highly sought after high school recruit. And I think um, sees Matt rules pro, uh, project and what he wants to build as appealing. Uh, Dwight's another guy that is bought in. I mean, and he's, there's a reason why he's been sought after by like three different head coaches and mm. reassured by the interim in the, in, you know, in between them is he's, he's there. I mean, he's got the athleticism. He's, he's every, he's every bit on film as DiCaprio was at the time. And, and he's just going to stand out to you. Um, whereas Ramirez is kind of that, the workman like safety. Um, he's going to kind of be that rover back a little bit um, to, to use the three, three, five analogy um, back when it was before, I guess it was before Tony White's time, but still uh, Rocky long when he was using it at New Mexico, there was a really good rover back that just lit up at New Mexico that got drafted in the NFL, but it was kind of undersized. And well, that guy was Brian Urlacher. Urlacher, yeah. 
so he's kind of the, the similar guy, you know, six foot, um, still sub 200, but you can kind of see what he's going to do. Is he going to, you know, they're going to make him more of a bruiser and he's going to kind of fluctuate a little bit, or are they going to keep his athleticism and let him play back? Um, and then sincere, sincere is interesting to me because he's, he is all limbs. I mean, he is, he's got a huge span at six, one, he's able to, to, he's got those long legs, which gives him makeup stride and he's got long arms and able to, you know, disrupt and everything in the passing game. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that they'd like to see maybe get a little bit more physical. He's physical at the line because he's got those long arms and can jam somebody up and has the makeup speed to get behind him. But I think they'd like for him to play a little bit more physical uh, at, at the college level. But that's kind of what you're looking at with all of these guys. Each one of them have developmental aspects to them that they want to get into rule system and, and work on, but they all kind of bring their own little specialties and things that they have inherent to themselves to the table. So happy to see that you think they're going to win a national championship. next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that's a good breakdown of, you know, player by player and, and really getting a chance to go through the, the class as a whole right now. Uh, this is the early signing period. So there still is a second one that will happen in February. So it's not a complete class yet. Um, I guess kind of, as we get into a closing here, do you see any, were there any big misses? Is there somebody that you still think is big out there that we still might get out of it? Um, what do you think are maybe still some needs here over the course of the next two months as, as they go towards the second signing period? I mean, what, what are your kind of thoughts to kind of sum, sum it up so far? Well, from today, I don't think that there's really anybody that they missed upon that they really wanted, or like I don't think that there's anybody out there that they think you know that one got away. Um, mm -hmm. I think there are there are definitely guys out there um, that chose to go elsewhere that I think they wanted um, and that they would have been really happy to get into Nebraska, but I don't think that there's one that's kind of like you know the prized possession that that got away from them. Um, looking ahead, I think Cameron Lenart's the one that I think might appeal the most. Um, you know, he was committed and then decommitted with, um, when Chenander got fired and he's another one of those tenacious edge rushers and a guys that, um, you can fit into that hybrid front or system, however you want to look at, cause he kind of is an edge uh, linebacker hybrid. And he didn't but commit to anywhere today. He didn't commit anywhere. He will announce his commitment at the Under Armour All-American game on January 3rd, um, gotcha. as, as will Ramir Stewart, who is a guy Nebraska still in the mix on because they offered him a scholarship and talked with him um, at length, I guess that would have been earlier this month, but um, I'm not exactly sure how serious at this point he's considering Nebraska, but I know Nebraska is, is involved in his um, announcement process, which again, he'll, he will make as well because he is also playing in the all American game on January 3rd. Mm. What about the two transfer offensive linemen? There was Ben Scott from Arizona state and then I'm, I'm missing the guy's name, but the, the guy from uh, Rhode Island. Do you know yeah. what happened with them? Uh, ben Scott, I haven't heard anything, but um, Ajani Cornelius uh, committed to Oregon. Um, okay. So he'll, he'll sign with Oregon. And he, I don't know, uh, if Nebraska's competing with Tennessee, Ohio State, and Oregon for, uh, for the, some of the most sought-after transfer portal um, FCS guys that there is out there, I think there's probably worse places Nebraska would like to be in that transfer mm -hmm. portal market. So that's mm -hmm. it's sign of the times, I guess. Yeah, Just and with the offensive line, I mean, that was something that Rule talked about today was, you know, he liked a lot of the players that he had in it right now. And it was a week ago I was at the, the Pipeline Jerky event that was at Alumni Hall, 
and talked with a couple of the guys that were on the, the line last year. And immediately, uh, Kevin Williams, who has since uh, entered the transfer portal, he right away, he talked quite a bit about the, the difference in the, the strength and conditioning and what they're going to be doing with them and a lot more of the kinesiology and just flexibility. And I think that's something that uh, you may see all of these guys, whether it's Ben Hart or Prohaska, Corcoran, you name it. Uh, the guys have maybe a little bit more bend in them next year. And there's that that's that development side. You know, we get some of those guys coming back and maybe we don't have to rely as much on uh, getting a, a transfer to in here on the O-line, you know, that we have some re- returning guys. Uh, Scott was an interesting one to me, and I don't know if he's if he's off the table or if he still would be available at all. But the, the Arizona State transfer, just because he had so many games playing there, plus I think there were some connections with him in Nebraska. His mom was from Columbus, um, of all things, and so he actually I think even grew up a fan. So it it would be interesting if if someone with you know twenty plus games of starting experience from Arizona State was uh, a part of the the line. But I haven't heard anything more about him. Well, and and. Back to Kevin too, like that, that. It's really curious too because talking to you, Honky, and some of the things that he said to you and, and went on, and then like two days later announces the transfer portal. He's a Nebraska kid who wasn't heavenly recruited by previous coaches. Finally got recruited at a Northern Colorado as a you know in the transfer portal comes gets injured right around the time when it seems like he was going to start getting some playing time. Watching him, I mean, he was smashing some guys on the line. The game that he got that he got injured in. I think he was in like the previous like 10 plays and I was watching him. Obviously I have an interest. I talked to him over the summer. He's a Northern Colorado kid. So, you know, that's six blocks away from my house. I'm watching him play and he's smashing these guys on the, on the opposing line, like literally smashing them, like throwing them back 10, 15 yards on some of the run plays that we had. And then all of a sudden he was out of the game. Turns out he was injured. He goes into the transfer portal. What are the odds that he comes back out? And why did he go? Like, do you know anything about that? Well, he, I know uh, he had to, he, he had to get a, he's uh, trying to get a walk or a, uh, a red shirt, a yeah. waiver so, to get like a seventh season. So that was something he was saying that day he just applied for. Yeah. 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 No. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure if there's a, if he wasn't a reciprocate, I don't know if he wasn't receptive of, of rule or the coaching staff or anything like that. I haven't heard anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe I don't know. Maybe he there was just that uncertainty. Maybe he didn't didn't vibe well um, with Coach Rayola, and maybe he wants to see through his is you know the end of his playing career somewhere else. But he also Matt Rule did touch on today. They're they're not gonna ha- have ill will and ill feelings of anybody if they want to come back and you know uh, redact themselves from the transfer portal. So um i've i know that he's uh, kevin's getting some offers so it's so it's not like he's it's not like he's not getting offers but mm-hmm. also um i don't think any of them are you know big 10 caliber or to the aspirational level of where nebraska is at so yeah. that it, it'll it'll be one to watch yeah i and i wouldn't be surprised if he came back um he's been really quiet on twitter um you know he used to message me back at least and just you know thank me or, or just kind of give me a heads up. Like when, when I would message him and just tell him great game, things like that. I haven't really heard back from him. So it, I'm just hoping that one, he's recovering from his injury. Well, two, I hope he gets that extra year because it would be really interesting to see a guy like him with a new strength coach, kind of helping him develop around some of the areas that he probably needs help where he wasn't getting that kind of development at someplace like UNC where I've seen their training room. And it's like, not even like a 10th of the size of what Nebraska has to offer. Um, 
I actually, the gym I go to is bigger than the training facility that Northern Colorado has. Um, some of the players actually work out there. Um, and so I just, I hope somebody like him comes back because he seems like the athletic type of offensive lineman that Nebraska would be looking for in a lot of ways in those trenches. Yeah. The size. So I would love to see him come back. Yeah. I just, I bring it up as much as anything is just, that I think the the changes in the strength and conditioning that they're looking to do, I think, that there's potential to see some big changes on the O line with guys that are returning. If they bring in, a, you know, a, if a Ben Scott or someone like that, that comes in as well that can compete, that's awesome too. But uh, I'm I'm really curious to see what some of those guys, Ben Hart, Prosca, Corcoran, newly coming off of the season. I'm curious to see what those guys look like with a, a little different training under their belts. That's something that um, you know you see when sometimes when coaching changes happen, you can see some pretty significant changes in strength and conditioning. We saw that with Pelini when they came in with Dobson and some of the things they did with guys like Sue and Dillard and that defense guys that were, uh, you know, the, the defensive backs that were stiff in the hips, as they said, they made a big difference just in that one off season between 07 and 08. And I'm really curious to see what we see with some of those guys, some of the same players here, the same position groups uh, coming back for next year. So uh, it's a lot of fun. This is, this is a great time of year. I mean, it's, it's all positive. We, we got some recruits in here today. Off season, national champs, off season, national champs. Coach rule has a, I didn't even get to, I got 20 different audio clips from him today. Barely got to any of them, but, uh, he's, he's going to win a lot of the audio clip, uh, you know, wars. I mean, he's done, he's a great speaker out there. It's a lot of fun listening to him and, and everything, but, uh, Brady, it's been great to have you on too. It's a, uh, we've been meaning to have you on for a while anyways, uh, you're, uh, we are, you know, kind of sister show or whatever you want to call it with uh, the Herdette Network with, with Hill Varsity. So it's great to get Hill Varsity people on. And and Brady, we, we've been reading your stuff and you've, you've done wonderful there. Um, take us out here. Tell us, uh, you know, tell the, the listeners where they can find you, listen to you, read you and uh, and give us your parting shots. Well, uh, follow me on Twitter uh, at Brady Oltmans, uh, B-R-A-D-Y-O-L-T-M-A-N-S. Um, really, um, I've don't have a whole lot else going on. I now Eric Francis, uh, Hale varsity, uh, staff photographer. And I co-host a podcast, the eye test, um, on her media, where we, again, talk about kind of the, the games sometimes Eric will bring up a photo and we'll just dissect the photo, what we see, what mm-hmm. we like, what it, you know, what stands out to you about it. Uh, we're just in the infancy. So it's going to develop into something, a linear thing with it, with this episode, we're going to develop mm-hmm. it as, as it kind of goes along. There and get you go. in. Um, but yeah, I, that, and then just keep following along hailvarsity.com because the, the stories will keep coming even over the holiday season. So, um, the work never ends. That's right. Well, Redcasters use Redcast at checkout of hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, get 10% off of your annual subscription and then go to hail varsity club and, with your subscription, I think you get like 10% off of food and drinks there. So it's just, it's the gift that keeps on giving all year long, Clark. Uh, Rob, do you have anything, any parting shot on your end or? You know, this great show. Brady, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. I, I know we got to talk a little bit before, before the Rutgers game. I think that was the first time I met you. Um, the Hale Varsity guys and Eric, oh my God, that guy is great. And he, he interacts with me on Twitter and he's hilarious. And, um, talk about just like some of the best people out there for Husker sports, you guys like hail varsity staff. Um, you know, if you're looking for people outside of your normal, like ESPN radio or outside of the journal star, or the world Herald or any of those areas. And you're just looking for people who are focused on Husker sports, know their thing and are just overall good people in general and will treat you 
treat you with respect and kindness. Um, you know, Brady's one of those people and Aaron is one of those people and Eric is one of those people and Chris Gorman over at Hale Varsity is one of those people and they are just the best people. Um, and I wouldn't just say that just because we're part of the whole Hale Varsity thing. I mean it um, just always treating people really nice. So I, I definitely would throw them a follow, read their stuff, use our subscription code at Hale Varsity so that you can get the discount, but read their articles because um, you know, journalism is not a dying craft. It's just underappreciated right now. And we really need to support these guys. Yeah. Well, I will say, um, if you pick up the December issue of Hale Varsity, I did a, I did a deep dive on Matt rule and looked into his, his upbringing, kind of the, what the nuts and bolts of makes him who he is and, and how he functions, um, through his dad, through his high school football coaches guy, he played with at Penn state when Matt rule was a walk on, um, you might, might learn something. It, it says a lot about uh, who he is and, and how he functions. Can't wait to get my issue in the mail. Well, Red Casters, you can get that issue from uh, Hill Varsity. You can buy that in the stores or, or go to hillvarsity.com. But uh, thank you so much, Brady. Really appreciate it. Maybe we'll be doing this again in February with the second signing. Who knows? But until next time, uh, that's another Go Big Red Cast. Go Big Red. Heard at Sports Network Production.